0: Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook.
1: It's a privilege to welcome you onto the airwaves this morning. How are you doing, Alex?
0: I'm very well, Matt. Great to be with you.
1: Great to be with you too, mate. Now we've had a uh, a listener question come in from Kurt. We're going to tackle today. Uh, what's the What's the topic we're going to tackle here?
0: Yeah. So Kurt's question is around the banking system and what we call bank bail-ins. So uh, it's an interesting area. It's come up over over the past couple of years, particularly really triggered, I think, by the global financial crisis, uh, when you know, particularly in the US, a lot of banks started going broke, and of course, a lot of Australians asked, you know, could that happen here? You know, could banks in Australia go broke? And if so, what would that mean for their deposits? So it's actually a really important question, Um, but to sort of, I guess, address um, why this would occur. So really, when you ask your question about bank bail-ins and the alternative, which is what we call a bailout really what we're saying is that the bank is in financial trouble uh, which happens from time to time you know they've lent they've lent too much money to some people or you know they've got risky loans on their books and the bank gets itself into financial strife uh, and therefore someone needs to step in to, to fix the problem and so the two main options that are sort of bantied about uh, one is a bailout and the other is a bail in and there's a very important distinction between the two and how this you know could affect listeners. So, in a bank bailout, which is what happened in the US back in the global financial crisis, uh, the bank started to, to, a couple of banks went under. And so the government stepped in, they put money into the bank and they became a shareholder in the bank effectively and propped it up. And so that kept the bank alive, Meant um, depositors lost nothing and uh, the, the bank obviously recovered over time. So, that's a, a bailout. The other option, and I think why Kurt's asking this, is the other one's a bit more scary. In a, in a bail-in, they essentially, to fix up the bank, they recapitalize it by taking depositors' funds. Okay, now that's very scary to listeners. You think, oh, wow, you know, if um, one of the big banks went under here, would they take depositors' funds? So that's in the this, in this situation that a bank gets into trouble. Now, it's a fairly murky area in the sense no one really knows how it would play out in that kind of scenario, because obviously there's a huge political uh, issue here. You know, the banks, uh, I mean, they'd be all calling on the government to help them, you know, bail them out. And the politicians are probably not going to like too much the idea of depositors' funds being taken. So they'd have to make some very tough decisions as to how they were going to fix it if in the situation that Australian Bank went got into trouble. And, of course, then the question is, what can they do lawfully? Now, to give people a bit of uh, comfort, in Australia, we have a thing called the Australian uh, Government uh, Guarantee, and that applies to bank deposits up to $250,000 per bank. So in other words, let's say you've got half a million, you could split it between two banks and you have two fifty guarantee in each of those banks. So that's one way you can protect yourself. Now, to be fair, that's never been tested that I'm aware of. Um, if an Australian bank uh, went broke, my guess is if it was a small bank, they'd probably let it fail and l- bail people up to the 250000 If it was a big bank, which has what we call systemic risk that would affect everybody, uh, then I think they may step in and bail it in it's, it's, or, or bail it out. Very difficult to know um, exactly how these things will play out. So how, do, how should people deal with this? Well, as I say... If you've got then less than two hundred fifty thousand, then my personal view is you probably don't need to worry too much. Um, and if you've got above two fifty, you might want to split it up amongst different banks. That way you can protect your your capital through taking advantage of the guarantee. Um, you know the guarantee is only valid up to what the government, of course, is ultimately willing to do Um, and of course in a tough economic environment a massive downturn it's difficult to know exactly how to play out so you want to try and also stick to the more conservative banks and this means you're going to have to do a bit of research here to see which banks are the the safest and that's very difficult to answer on air because you know as I say requires a fair bit of research but that's what a bank bail-in is though where they recapitalize the banks by taking depositors now just in terms of history this has happened before globally uh, happened in 2013 in Cyprus. Their banking system collapsed and they did a bail in where they took the depositors' funds um, above 100,000 euros. They took a certain portion of it. So it has happened in the past. Um, I would have thought it would be very politically uh, non palatable for, for the population. So I think a bailout would possibly be the more likely scenario. But as I say, it's difficult to know exactly what would happen in that very distressed scenario.
1: Well, appreciate your response there, Alex, and uh, thank you, Kurt, for your question. If you've got a question you'd like to ask Alex, phone lines are open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, 316 316 And uh, we've got Alex uh, for about another 10 minutes or so, so if you're going to call now's the time, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Now, uh, I know that uh, with Neil a few weeks ago, you were talking about identity theft, and mm. uh, there's been massive uh, news story in the last few days about the Optus hack. Uh, with about nine or ten million Aussies have had their data stolen uh is mm, there a mate. an impact on uh on our listeners today mate
0: look potentially i mean at this stage obviously it's early days so we're, we're waiting for optus to really tell us what's happening in fact i heard this morning that they've been threatened with they've got a pay a ransom, so to speak, um, and otherwise they're going to lease 10,000 people per day or something like that, to some effect I heard on the radio earlier today. Um, so it's probably early days yet, but the, the risks are this. So these are the risks. If someone steals your identity, and so they get you know your name, your date of birth, your passport, your driver's license, etc., then what they can do without you knowing is they can apply for credit in your name. So they can apply for a credit card, a personal loan, et cetera, and take that out. And that makes you potentially liable for those debts if you know if the bank doesn't pick up on it and they see you as being the person, you know you, you you're in a risky position here. And this does happen all the time. And so the comment I made when I was chatting with Neil about a few weeks ago is a lot of people don't take action on these things till it's too late, and they kind of think mm, well, it's not going to happen to me. You know we kind of dismiss it. But this Optus one I think is a perfect wake up call. For people to now take action to protect themselves, um, the other thing, obviously, that these hackers can do, if they've got access to your passwords, then they can potentially get into your, you know, your computer system, into your bank accounts. They can get into things and and cause trouble. So it's, you know, the classic mistake people make is obviously they use the same password for every website they, they access. And these days, you know, you might access I don't know 20, 30, 50 different websites depending on uh, what you do. Uh, and then the last area is that if someone has stolen your identity and they do take out credit in your name, it can muck up your credit score. You know, if you go for a home loan, and obviously most Aussies want to own a home at some point, um, this can have a very negative effect on your your credit score and your, your ability, therefore, to get a home loan. So you do need to take steps to try and protect your identity uh, from these kinds of things. Um, if you if you you know if you do get. Um, yeah, you know, attacked, and as I say, with Optus, it's probably early days yet to find out the real impact. Well, I probably won't know that for a couple of months, but certainly, it is a big risk for most of us.
1: Well, it certainly is a, a massive impact on many people in Australia. What can be done to reduce the risk for those of us who may have Optus accounts?
0: <laughs> yeah, look, there's, the good news is there's lots of things you can do to protect. My favourite one is one that people – this is the one that people are probably least aware of, is you can sign up to a credit alert system. So in Australia, we've got, I think, at least three major what we call credit reporting bureaus. So when you take out you know, a mobile phone plan with Opus or you take out a personal loan or a credit card, that gets reported to these credit reporting agencies because they're the ones that contain all our information on our borrowing history, whether you've got defaults, et cetera. And those companies have what we call alert systems. So you can pay a small monthly fee, which is what I do for my wife and I. So that way, if someone were to apply for a credit card or any loan at all in our names, they'll inform me straight away. Then I can get on the phone and ring up whatever the company is someone's tried to apply for and say, that's not me. And then they can put a stop to it very quickly. So that's one great thing you can do. Those services are generally very low cost. you got to pay like four bucks a month or something like that. Uh, and that way you can you know be aware if someone has stolen your identity. So that's the first one. The second one is the password issue. Now, as I say, many people just use the same password over and over. Get a service like LastPass or there's a few other ones, One password things like that. Where you um, essentially can access uh, the websites through your computer with a different password for every website, and it will remember it for you and it pre-populates it. That way, you can use you know cryptic passwords, and the probability therefore of someone accessing you know your banking website and things like that drops significantly. You're making it very hard for them. And one that's along the lines of that is what we call two-factor authentication. Usually, you know, it's an app on your phone like Google Authenticator or they'll send you a text message. And that way, for someone to hack into your systems, they need not only do they need your password, but they also need your mobile phone as well, which, of course, is highly improbable that they're going to have both of those. So that's a great way of protecting yourself and protecting from people having unauthorized access to your financial data and banking, banking access. Uh, having antivirus software on your computer can also minimize the risk, because it'll pick up when someone's potentially hacking into it. So that's a really important one to have as well. Uh, so they're, they're sort of the IT things you can do. And then at a practical level, I always say to people, when you get your credit card statement, a lot of people just look at the, the final figure and they say, right, I'll pay that. But actually go through your statement every time. It'll take you a whole two minutes to go through and look at the transactions and say, does anything look not right here? Is there something wrong with it? Check it properly, and that way you can alert the company, uh, you know, the credit card company or bank, you know, the bank, and say, hey, look, this doesn't look right. What's what's going on here? So do that sort of thing. And also, and this is the old-school way, is the old-school way when you're throwing out documents at home, things that have got, you know, important data on it, make sure you shred those documents before you go putting them out in your garbage, so because the old, the old way people used to steal identity is to go through people's rubbish. These days, of course, it's mostly IT related, um, but nonetheless, make sure you shred documents before you go throwing them out in the bin. That way, you're reducing your risk. So there's lots of things you can do to significantly reduce it. It's not, it's not perfect by any means, but you can do a lot to protect yourself financially from these things and reduce the stress, because i tell you what, this is a big issue for small business, but the stress that comes in if your systems get hacked is is massive
1: yeah very good advice there mate and uh, certainly uh, a big story to watch uh, what's happening with Optus there now uh, last week I know you spoke with Neil about the stock markets and there's been uh, quite a lot of movement on the stock market recently uh what's uh, what's the latest uh, advice you've got uh, for those uh, who are looking at the stock markets at the moment
0: yeah so look since uh, you know last week I said to At we called it, is chaos coming? You know, there's a lot of storms around the world at the moment brewing. Um, And since then, markets have fallen probably about 5% 5 or more, the stock markets around the world. And so the question really sort of should be, you know, is there something that people need to do? And so what I say here is, look, Always ask yourself, why am I investing? You know, am I investing for the short term or am I investing for the long term? So, for most of us, you know, our super is something we generally can't touch until we're sixty-five or more, as a general rule. Um, and so, you don't, you don't, you can buy good quality assets and forget about it, and let but time take care of itself. On the other hand, if you are, uh, if you you you're your time frame is short. So like a common one out, people say to me, Alex, um, oh, you know, I want to buy a house in two years' time. And my message is always the same, you know, keep your money in cash because you can't be guaranteed that in two years' time, you know, the stock markets are going to be higher than when they are today. They might be lower. So you, you've got to have your time frame should be the big driver. Stock markets falling 5%, you know, whoopie do. At the end of the day, it's not really a big deal. If you're buying good quality assets, you know, companies are going to be around what rail? you know, rain, hail or shine, you don't I don't think Woolies well, is gonna go bust anytime soon, for example. You know, all those sort of if you have that sort of long term perspective, you shouldn't be concerned at all. You know, go back to, to doing what God has called you to do and not, not worry about your money. But as I say, your time frame will have a um, a big impact on, on what you do. Um, but I call this the sleep at night test. So I you know I talk to clients about this sort of thing. I say, look, how will you sleep knowing where your money's invested? Do you know do you understand where it's invested? Do you understand the ups and downs, what the risks are, of any particular investment you have? Make sure you understand what you're investing in, you know, and that's part of good Christian stewardship. You know, we don't just put our money into anything; we make sure we understand what that investment is, what its risks are, and what the potential outcomes are, and we do that before we invest any money. That's good stewardship. So, um, yeah, that's that's some sort of think, simple things to think about. Um, yeah, in terms of, you know, how you address the current situation.
1: And, you know, I guess as Christians, mate, we've always got to come back to, you know, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. we just got to trust in the Lord, don't we, hey?
0: hundred percent. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, the money we have, it's really God's money. You know, we say, you know, um, you know, I take the view that God blesses us with all different amounts. Some of us have a little, some have a lot, but we all have that same responsibility to look after it as though it is God's money and that we want to do good things with it. You know, money is purposeful, and we want to do well and do good with it. Um, but the other thing, and I think this is the good thing, you know, when we hear these challenging times, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, fear creeps in, it's a great reminder for Christians to hold money loosely. You know, we shouldn't be holding on tight. We should be thinking to ourselves, okay, if tough times come, who can we help? You know, who can we support? What ministries, you know, are suffering? What, what can we do to help others during these times? Because uh, that, that kind of uh, mentality is one where we, as you say, Jehovah Jireh, he's going to provide for us. And so we want to sow in and help other people at this time. So the, I think that the challenge when times get tough is we become our, our inner human, right? our, inner, our inner man starts to withhold. When in fact, as uh, we need to step out in faith and say, what are we going to sow into? Who are we going to help? Who are we going to bless? Uh, when tough times come, because that's a massive opportunity uh, for the gospel, uh, you know, to show joy in in tough times. And, uh, you know, we have an awesome God who can provide. You know, God is supernatural. He's above and beyond our circumstances. You know, God's not worried about stock market falling or anything like that. You know, if we take sensible steps, we be practical and sensible with our money. We act as good stewards and then we live generously. You know, we're going to be we're going to be fine.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's always good to uh, get some good advice for you each week here on Vision. And once again, if people want to find out more about uh, Wealth With Purpose, uh, they can now search up the website wealthwithpurpose.com. There's free eBooks. there's a toolkit, there's free videos and podcast content. They're also on social media as well. Uh, Alex Cook, it's always a privilege catching up with you, mate. Thanks for your time.